This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Marketers are always looking for ways to get their message across to consumers, whether that's trying to get them to stop scrolling long enough to watch an ad or grab their attention quick enough to prevent them from changing the channel. Marketers are waging a never ending war to get noticed. But instead of racing to get consumers to your web page, why not just target them when they are already in your store? All that other digital investment, you're just trying to get people to leave their house or get out of their car or leave the gym and go to the place to buy your product. We're talking to the people that are standing in the very place that you, they can buy your product. Paul Brenner is a broadcasting savant with a quarter century of experience in the radio and television industry. He's watched from the front row how marketers have shifted their advertising spend from traditional broadcast inventory to digital platforms. Now, as president of Audio Out of Home and chief strategy officer at Vibonomics, he's helping those same marketers create a memorable in-store experience through out-of-home audio. On this episode of Marketing Trends, Paul describes why the audio you hear in-store is an often overlooked opportunity to grow product conversions. Plus, he explains why e-commerce is not the death of brick-and-mortar stores. Enjoy this episode. This message is brought to you by Salesforce. Hey, marketers. Today's B2B buyers are more complex than ever, and every buying committee has different needs and goals. Salesforce can help. We'll show you how to put each and every customer at the center of your B2B marketing strategy, and you'll learn how top brands like Lyft approach account-based marketing. Salesforce, market to every account, speak to every buyer. Find free B2B marketing and ABM resources at sfdc.co slash every dash buyer. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends, and today we are joined by special guest, Paul. How are you? I'm doing well, Ian. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for joining. Excited to have you on the show. Uh, excited to talk about your background. We're going to talk a lot of audio today, which I love, uh, obviously near and dear to my heart, and, uh, and Vibonomics, uh, your company. So let's get into it. How'd you get started in marketing? Uh, you know, I came out of college uh, in the early 90s. I was a crazy electronic engineering degree and, um, you know, really got my start in consulting and right out of the gate selling myself uh, as an engineer and uh, learning over time. And I wasn't the greatest. So I, you know, I shifted into media entertainment and still had a technology role, but many years of, of broadcast media, learning the business, how the systems work, how marketing works for an ad driven medium. And um, ultimately had an opportunity to shift in the early 2000s towards idea building and and, uh, selling entire industries on things they should be doing to disrupt their industry. And over time, started building those businesses and and really was drawn heavily to the science and and the brand marketing uh, aspect. And so, you know, hang my hat on being a disruptor and kind of went from an engineering tech guy to more of a right, you know, creative brain guy and I've just really started to thrive in this in this arena. And so flash forward to today, tell us a little bit about what you're working on at Vibonomics and what it means to be president. Yeah, it's a it's a fascinating story. I, I was in uh I was in traditional media for so long and you know, watched the ups and downs and of TV and radio and and even digital print 
you know, when I walked away from a 20 plus year career in corporate America, I was looking for something just really unique and fresh and how I could apply my skills and, you know, came across this company. Um, it was created by the same guys that, uh, or they in part by guys that started uh, exact target, uh, which sold to Salesforce, which is a sponsor, I think of your marketing trends. And, uh, you know, there was a co-founder, uh, Brent Oakley and, and some others, but really it was just like this unique opportunity that I saw of how audio could really have a renaissance in serving retailers um, and then ultimately making that an advertisement business. And so that's really what Vibonomics is, is and, and my expertise comes into play is looking at that stale kind of music based, you know, audio in the in a retail space. Uh, making that a much more engaging and the same way you would program great content for streaming or radio, but then layering on the tech and the and the marketing to bring back the life of how that in-store media could be a marketer's dream. And, and that's really what I've been passionate about. So as a president, that's my job is kind of serve both sides, you know, serve the retailer, grow the network, and then please the advertisers and make that a, a really important component of their strategy. Yeah, and so what's what's like the scope of this industry? What does this look like? How many how many retailers are out there doing things like this? How many should be <laughs> doing things like this? Is this something that's a no brainer that that is just you know when we look back is going to be something that every single retailer uh, has in in their uh, in their arsenal? Yeah, I mean, I think the legacy of it is you couldn't you know you could walk into lots of places and hear some audio right and and Mood Media, which was originally Muzak and then bought out right and over the years and there's play on and, and uh, there was soundtrack your brand by Spotify, Pandora for business. And, you know, there, there's always kind of that music and messaging aspect. And there's tens of thousands, if not a hundred thousand venues in the country that, that are doing that. Right. That's really not what we wanted to do. We wanted to make it so that every venue could be treated differently. You know, the, the audience of that particular venue in that place could get content just for that audience and then introduce the concept of of advertising that is contextual and can really drive results for the marketers. And so that's where we kind of take a right turn, right? If you're asking about where is it, it's, yeah, sure, there's lots of music and messaging venues and there's lots of companies that provide just stock, you know, here's your playlist, it's the same song every place all the time versus we say, how would you like this programmed in a neighborhood in Phoenix for, you know, a Hispanic audience uh, in the morning and a rock audience in the afternoon. And by the way, now that they're engaged, let's try to introduce some advertising content, some self-promotion message. So we feel our our approach is very different. That's why we came up with audio out of home because we're not a music and messaging business. We are doing music and messaging for the sake of serving the the retailer. But the venue itself, which benefits from from the ad component, is really where we're different. So walk me through um, what this looks like for for one of your customers. You know, what are they doing right now, and then um, and then how do you how do you set up a partnership? What do they get in return for this? What's what's the ROI there? Walk, walk me through what that looks like. Yeah, so we were you know back and I think if you probably visit our website, there's some old content there. I mean, we we kind of hung our hat early on take all you know all comers. <laughs> so it was you know if you were a a uh, sure. trampoline park or, uh, you know, a, a racetrack or a ball diamond or an airport or whatever. Sure. We'll take it. Right. And we kind of fell into that music and messaging and that's a low margin business. It, it doesn't really have a, and we're a premium high tech company, so we, we couldn't make that work. So 
we pivoted over to a grocery and convenience store because there's a lot of product to sell in the space. And quite honestly, our discussion with them, they were kind of sick of the way it was done before, like it's been done. So, you know, we go into um, a grocery like Kroger's and they say, you know what? It's really important to us to provide a shopper experience and an associate experience. The people that are shopping, that are working in their stores, Dan it out. Let's give them some entertainment. Let's give them something that kind of picks them up, right? And isn't, you know, Cindy Lauper every five songs, just bland music. And so we work with them. We establish that sound. We, we implement technology that allows them to pick and choose specific things for specific locations. And in return for that, we get uh, a strong partnership. We get a co-marketer. We get access to point of sale data. We get, you know, a collaboration in, in other ways. Uh, ultimately, we, we rev share back with them on the advertising, right? So we're, we're introducing this cost-neutral model of music and messaging, right? So they historically just paid, you know, $19.95 a month and got, you know, per location. And we come in with a different business model, you know, and, and at the end of the day, we want them to have shoppers that are, you know, shaking their heads in the aisle and singing along when associates not complaining about, you know, what they're hearing. And, and then we want to take that engagement to the advertising community and say, you know, we can help you market in these venues where people are shopping, where the product is available. And, that's really what gets the folks that we work with on the retail side excited because we're helping them move more product. And, and honestly, they trust us. They trust us not to put, you know, things that are offensive or, you know, uh, not brand safe. You know, that, that's really an important part of our, our relationship with them. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about, especially we, and we've had a lot of those, these folks on recently, um, these brands that, uh, and companies who have a product that, they don't own, they're not D to C, right? They don't own the channel. They go through right. retailers, they go through these things and figuring out how to do creative stuff in store is really hard. Um, beyond your displays and things like that, you know, developing a relationship with that customer is one of the biggest challenges they have, whether you're selling, you know, a bag of chips or whether you're selling clothing or, or whatever it is. So figuring out ways to do that is super important. Now, you have obviously the person on their mobile device. Maybe they're listening to something or they have AirPods in. Maybe that person is, uh, you know, as soon as they they walk into a location, there's some sort of like, you know, Wi-Fi or, you know, geofencing or something like that. And then this this option of uh, of having this audio out of home is really tantalizing, I'd imagine. How do the how do the advertisers respond to this? You know, so far it's been very positive. We're still in the category creation phase. I'll admit that, right? Where we still have education of kind of the way it's been done for 30 years and discounting the value of it, maybe not paying too much attention to the, the content or guaranteeing that it's heard in the store. To your point, maybe it's maybe it's the earbud or the earphone. Less likely, more likely is that you know the retailer isn't paying attention and somebody's turned it down or somebody's you know got a blown speaker or, or something like that and so we put a lot of effort into ensuring that things are heard if people you know are not tuned to something else and so you know the advertiser response has been really has gone from well that's interesting to hey let me test some things and let's let's measure you know the effect of that and then you know let's go from there and We've been doing it for about two years now, and I would say the first nine months, nine months maybe, were were heavy testing. You know, relatively smaller buys, 
but our renewal rate is really high coming into this year. And so their response has been kind of surprise, I guess is the right word to say it, right? That we are actually delivering the things that we said we would do. It just took us finding the right person to talk to, right? And the right person to try something. And, and after that, I mean, we really have, have done, you know, multiple categories that you could imagine from beverage to, to, to snacks, to dairy, adult beverage, uh, CPG that, you know, have just continued to come back and reinvest in, in uh, what we're doing. So, you know, recently you, you all rolled out uh, a partnership with, with Kroger. Um, can you share a little bit more about, about that and how you can, uh, how you're helping Kroger to create a better experience? Yeah. And I don't know if you are familiar. Do you know the people from 8451 very well? Is no. that someone that you... So 8451 was originally a Dunhunby company out of the UK. And Kroger set out on this uh, road of of becoming the leader of retail media and grocery. And so they acquired Dunhunby, renamed it 8451. And it's essentially the data arm of the organization, right? And it really powers Kroger Precision Marketing, which is the you know the retail media leader. If you read any, I think Goldman Sachs recently put out a, a study, you know, showing the retail media, and I eighty four fifty one beats Walmart, right, on on money generated from the portfolio of what makes retail media, right, e commerce, but in store experience, offsite, right, and any of those things that where they're trying to take the budget in from the marketer instead of the marketer spinning it with Google or Facebook to you know have the same effect on their shopper, right? They're owning the shopper, and so. The reason I'm telling you that is, you know, what they really wanted, Care Pratt and, and Pete Miles Pruden, leaders over there, is they wanted first to have a fresh audio experience. They wanted that entertainment value, right? Because they knew the power of engagement. They knew the value to uplifting their associates. You know, they, they wanted to get away from their incumbent because it was just the same audio ever. It was boring. And so we committed to that with our tech and our approach to the passion we have for uh, the value of audio, right? What it means for somebody to hear something psychologically, right? Emotionally, you're getting that charge out of them. That was their first goal. And their second goal was any new partner that they brought in to the fold, they announced Roku soon after us, I think, was going to be a complement to what they wanted to do with retail media in the larger market, right? They wanted to uh, increase the value of what was being viewed as really a kind of a throwaway remnant inventory investment, right? They wanted to ensure that our marketing story aligned with the way that they talk about the value of their retail media. And so we just we created this chemistry. I mean, they, they, they fell in love with our culture. You know, we really clicked with them on they're using the same language. They want, they want marketers to have the same level of success with what they do, that what we want to do. And so honestly, it's been a fabulous relationship. It, it's been the really the, the linchpin of what we have gone on to do with other retailers. And there's some I can't even announce to you that are assigned with us and, and implementing, but uh, we've learned a lot from them. You know, we, we've definitely learned our, our market differentiators and found our market fit by what we've done together. But honestly, they're a, such an innovative, progressive group that we really enjoyed improving ourselves in the process. I mean, it's pretty remarkable when you see the numbers that Kroger's in uh, 
11 million households daily. I mean, that's like mm-hmm. huge numbers. I just, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it before when we were doing yeah. prep for this. I mean, that's a massive audience, obviously. Yeah. We're 2,600 locations with them. And, you know, when you look at, when you dedupe down to, you know, multiple visits per month by people, it's probably more in that 155 million uniques per month range. You know, I mean, it's a lot higher than that when you look at total visits. But, you know, for us, we look at that plus RC stores and our other grocers. I mean, we reach 200 million monthly uniques. You know what the total is between Pandora, Spotify, or it's 193 million between all of them combined. So, and we have a powerful medium for audio, you know, and that's really the story we take to the retailer. We reach a lot of people. And by the way, all that other digital investment, you're just trying to get people to leave their house or get out of their car or leave the gym and go to the place to buy your product. We're talking to the people that are standing in the very place that you, they can yep. buy your product, you know, and we're reminding them that, well, maybe you left it off your list. You know, oh, did I really need avocados today? I didn't put it on my list, but <laughs> I, I just heard a message that avocados of Mexico are on sale. So, yeah, it, it, it's really passion for us that we're talking, we're responsible for and talking to people that are right there close to the products. Yeah. I mean, don't even get me started on how bad I am. Uh with just having a shopping list in general. So oh, I need yeah. all I need all the reminders that I can get. <laughs> Those anti-listers. Yeah, that's amazing. So 200 million. And obviously, you know, like like we were saying earlier that the deliverability of of let's say some of these simple tools like you you take the deliverability of an Instagram ad, you know, an ad that's on Spotify or something like that. It's not going to be the same as you would have a, a TV advertisement or something that you hear uh, in a grocery store, it's just not going to be delivered, you know, quite necessarily as effectively. But when you're talking about, like you said, being in the right place at the right time, it's a much different value proposition. And so like for, I mean, we saw the rise of D2C brands just hammer podcasts over the last decade and literally Mm -hmm. build whole D to C, like billion dollar brands leveraging a huge amount of podcast spend because when you're D to C brand and you're sitting on a phone and you're thinking about whatever, Harry's razors, you can easily just, you know, you know, complete a transaction in the next, you know, minute and 30 seconds, right? When you're at a grocery store, it's almost the complete opposite of that, right? Like you said, um, or when you're, when you're, when you're sitting at home and you're buying something that's not a D to C brand, if you want to buy a bag of Ruffles, uh, it doesn't really do you any good because you're not going to just buy a bag of ruffles while you're sitting on your, <laughs> on your couch. Um, so no. it really is something that that makes a lot of sense. I'm curious, what are some of the ways that you try to think about deliverability? Because it seems like that's something that is still like deliverability and tracking for those sort of things and brand lift and all those are obviously like if you had a silver bullet for that, like it would be the perfect solution. And there's no such thing as a perfect marketing solution. As we know, there's, you know, pros and cons to everything, but I'm curious to, to, to hear how you think about, you know, optimizing for those advertisers. Yeah. It, you know, it's a multi-step process, right? I mean, and that's really been a lot of the education for the marketers who have really fallen into that trap of, well, let's just play the same spot everywhere in every store, every grocery store. And, We'll treat it as just brand awareness or right or or, or just it was a dollar CPM. Go for it. On spots, by the way. We actually take a completely different approach to this. We are um, programmatic for one. We're activated with 
with the DSPs to allow you know us to issue you know inventory directly to an agency for acquisition. But what we provide to them is even more important. We can say to let's say let's say that Ian is selling a flavor of gum, Ian's gum, right? It lasts forever. You would give me your your UPCs. I will do a query across our partners to find exactly which stores carry Ian's gum and say, these are the only venues that are going to receive this advertising. And then we say, okay, what's your, what are your KPIs? What are the um, demographics you want to reach? What are the peak times of uh, shopping hours that align with the rest of your media plan? You know, they're watching their TV in the morning and they're doing this or whatever, and we can be the peak hours for shopping. You know, and then so we say, okay, now what is the audience? Okay, let's identify the audience for those locations. And then we build a media plan of how to make the most out of the money, right? We're impression-based. We're not spot-based. So we're going to talk the same language you talk with the rest of your digital investment. We're going to run the flight. And then, by the way, if you've built the media plan correctly, I'm going to go to my partnership with IRI and Kroger, and I'm going to do a point-of-sale lift study for you. And I'm going to show you control versus test, you know, what impact you had on incremental left lift on return on ad spend. So we are indeed delivering and providing, you know, the information to not only set up for the right way, right? What aligns best with the marketer's intentions and KPIs, but also we can show the result. I mean, and that that really is this, that's why I'm re- telling you that we're getting a lot of renewals because. You know, in today's world, there's the transparency aspect. There's the, you know, making sure the advertiser, you're the brand you're representing is always understanding, you know, what choices you're making and is the dollar getting what they want out of it? Selling more product, really, honestly, right? At the end of the day, they just want to sell, Ian wants to sell more gum, right? So it's in these stores and not in these stores. And here's my $100,000 test and let's see what that does. And oh my gosh, I got a three to one ROAS and you know, 23% lift. How do I put more money into this machine? That's the activity that we're seeing in the market. It, it just, it takes a long time to educate people on how to, how to leverage it and how, how we can help them. Yeah. So I, I'm curious, we heard the, the Kroger kind of case study and, and how well they're doing it. Conversely, there's been much about the retail apocalypse, the way that retail is completely changing before our eyes. A lot of stores are, you know, there's lots of closures and all sorts of other things. This seems like it could be potentially for the for the folks who aren't doing this type of thing, a little bit of a life raft for some of those uh, for some of those organizations. Is that something that that you're seeing, or or is that not something that is is kind of publicly uh, interesting? Oh, we monitor it. I mean, for sure. Right. I mean, that's, you know, what, what does the future look like for an e-commerce where everyone gets everything delivered or, you know, (laughs) or that kind of a world? It is a primary reason that we really had backed away from other kinds of retail, whether that was health and beauty, like an Ulta or a Sally's or even sporting goods. We, we, we took a look at pet care for this to work. It has to be something with a lot of products available in the store and you know, really good national coverage. You know, so that's kind of how we ended up. That's how we ended up with grocery and C store because there's tons of opportunity for marketers in those venues. Um, but what we watched through the pandemic, we did watch the foot traffic take a dip on C stores. You know, definitely saw it more obvious there. But 
we did a presentation for a bunch of private marketers, agencies, and advertisers a month or so ago. And we showed them that, you know, with all the hype about e-commerce growth, you know, curbside pickup, you know, click and deliver, you know, the, the demise of the person in the store. I mean, all those things on the digital side only make up for 7% of the shopping. 93% of the shopping is still done by people walking in the store, you know, and they used to go five times a month. Now they go three and a half, but they spend 25% more time in the store that went up from 18 minutes to 21 minute average dwell time during the pandemic and basket size went up 15 to 20%. That was reported by Albertsons, Kroger and others. So yeah, there's maybe a, a slight dip in foot traffic. Actually, it's almost back to normal, staying slightly under what it was pre-pandemic. But the time they're in there, so the uh, the frequency, as you would say in a marketing world, or the you know the exposure has uh, gone up a little bit, and and the baskets they're putting more in their basket, so that means you have more opportunity to try and get them to to buy your product. So I think we'll probably stay clear of some of the other retail. We've had opportunities in in other verticals, and we'll continue to watch them. But I, I haven't seen the recovery from them yet as much as we've seen for the essential businesses, right? I mean, heck, we got to work with the only retailer that was officially allowed to be open during the pandemic, right? You know, in a grocery store. So, I mean, they're up to almost like five or six billion for the year. Um, so they, they've really, Kroger. So it's uh, it's been good for them. And the reason why I say that is, so like you see, um, I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, we see a lot of a lot of these brands that have their own in-house products similar to the way that you know Walmart does this and Amazon Essential. Yeah, Walmart Radio, yeah, Target Roundel, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and so you know a lot of those have that, but you think of some of these some of these other uh stores that it might be might be a little bit of a, a life raft there. But as you mentioned, you know, it, it still boils down to like you, you need to be promoting, you know, what's going on. I mean, hey, if they're bringing Toys R Us back, I feel like what a better opportunity <laughs> to uh, start yeah. talking about toys. Uh, <laughs> Look, we'll, we'll definitely watch it. I mean, I'll just say it like from the very beginning. If it's a retailer that just wants to hear music, that's not my business, right? That's not what I what I could, but the cost of the music rights, because we keep a much larger catalog than, you know, the cheapos, right? I mean, we're trying to be diverse. We refreshing those playlists once a month with current music and you know, PRO world is a wild west, you know, uh, of fees and, and options. And, you know, when you look at that and our tech that we can highlight a store specifically, if they want just music, that's fine. I'm kind of answering your question more about the venues, the retailers that would embrace the advertising aspect of it, right? And have enough assets within their venues to make it, you know, a, a broad enough, you know, appeal to the marketers. Totally. I'm curious. What is the like breakdown for music to ads? Is are we like Preto Principle eighty twenty here? Um, is there like great question? Yeah, is, there, question, is there, a, there an optimal amount here? And then like you know, do you ever want to you know cut it off like mid? Like you don't want to you know in the middle of the 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 dr drum crescendo and in, in the air tonight, you don't want to be like da 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 da, and then it's like, <laughs> have you had your pretzels? You know, in your <laughs> yeah, we don't. We just. We stay away from the live interrupts, although, you know, uh, uh, stores uh, got their own, like, you know, hey, Deli, pick up line one, like that, you know, that's going to happen as a, as a break-in. We can't really control that. But, you know, we are an analytics-based company. We're a database company. 
we partner with SafeGraph. And do you know those, you know, SafeGraph guys? So um, Orrin Hoffman started LiveRamp and then sold it. Oh, okay. Yeah, he started uh, SafeGraph uh, probably four or five years ago. They do uh, machine learning polygon drawings of retail venues. So they just use machine learning and maps and draw lines exactly where the lines of the, the walls of the store are. And then they um, use, you know, their own technology and, you know, publishers to track locations of smartphones and then draw an audience from that, right? And so it, it was really the intention of SafeGraph was to make location-based data specific to a retailer, which I thought was brilliant. And so we partnered with them a couple of years ago and watched the metrics, looked at the foot traffic, and really dug into dwell time. And you know, if you listen to like a Pandora or even like broadcast radio, they have a clock, right? They have a mentality of you know what's a good number of songs before breaks occur and how many spots should happen an hour. I think Pandora's published paper was like you know an average of four you know, four pods an hour, an average of one and a half spots per pod, so no more than seven ads per hour in that world. So what we look at is we say what's the dwell time of the retailer, and for convenience store it's about eight minutes average, and let's say you know one of our groceries is eighteen minutes and one's twenty one minutes, and then we look at the ro- rotation through our algorithm. We say well, if they're there for this long on average, then we want to do one, two, or three song separation and then some message, right? And it might be self-promotion. It might be an ad. Maybe they're two together. And we build the clock, not around like the ATSL, you know, average time spent listening to a streamer or, you know, Nielsen's tune-in time for radio or, you know, whatever they, AQH or something, average quarter hour. We do it based on the dwell time of the shopper. And we try to be a balance between, is it a good entertainment value for the associates? Is it not annoying to the shoppers, but is there enough exposure? And so we usually end up in our grocery store with two song separation, around 12, 30 second ads an hour, and around six self-promotion ads an hour. So it's kind of in that range so that it's a a balance of not too annoying. We don't want to go song, two ads, song, two ads. You know, it's like everybody would be mad at us, right? Uh, we'd have a lot of inventory, but people would not enjoy the experience. Yeah, totally. Um, are, so are the songs shorter? No, we're about three and a half minute average. Three to three and a half minute average is the songs that we tend to choose from. We don't go long form anything. You're not going to find Stairway to Heaven, you know, rotating on our on our list. That's why you but... got Bill Withers, Ain't No Sunshine, perfect song. It's like two minutes and 13 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> we'll do that as much as we can through a day. But, you know, we've done some other partnerships with uh, well-known uh, animated movie companies, if you know what I mean, that, you know, we've done some, you know, uh, streaming playlist hits with them and promoted some cross promotion, you know, they're, they're usually shorter songs, but for the most part, our, in our analysis, it's three to three and a half minutes. And one of the really interesting things about that point is, you know, there's a lot of, like, if you look at Pandora and the genome project and just kind of the, the logic behind that and whatever it is that kind of decides for you, you know, the mood of what should be played. We actually have live people that program these, all of these stations. And they talk to the owners of the retail, even down to the general manager that knows their shopper. And we get their input, you know, and, and we have people that literally listen and communicate with them about, did that work? Did that not work? Right. And not like a per song basis, but, you know, are we on point with, with the pace of the music or is country more appealing is, you know, you know, reggaeton more appealing 
so it's actually a, a art and a science. Um, and then you throw in that rotation of ads. And again, we're passionate about making sure that those shoppers are being entertained. So they're engaged. That brings a better result for the advertiser. You know, if people are listening, they're paying attention. You're going to have a more impactful result for the advertiser. Yeah. I'm telling you, if, if, uh, if we go into a, a store and and queens on the radio you get don't stop me now like my wife's buying the whole store out that's just it's <laughs> oh you should watch our twitter feed we have so many comments about people uh, you know it could be from hey, i just got my vaccination and this song's making me dance down the aisle or yeah this uh you know or in the new the new uh millennial language this slaps you get that a lot <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter as well. So. Uh, indeed. Um, so yeah, I mean, th- is there is there like a best is there like a best song? Like, what's like the number one number one song that that pushes the most most gets people to buy the most? Is we got like a top five? You know, we don't. I we should do that. We don't have a ranker on what has the but something really fresh is what is what gets the highest result from social media chatter. But I don't know if that makes the biggest impact. I would say the top playlist we have in any store is something that is a lot more diverse, you know, that, that has, because people like really familiar sing-along songs. And that might be from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. As long as it's that song that people sing along to, that's probably the highest request that we get. I feel like the, uh, the gold mine for you all from a rights perspective is like Oklahoma and all the shows that, uh, all the shows that you don't need, you don't need, uh, licenses to, uh, to share, like got yeah. a lot of show tunes, a lot of Shakespeare, <laughs> a, lot a lot of, of show tunes. a lot of publicly available, uh, you know, stuff. what's so funny about that is, is you get into brand guideline discussions with the retailers and they're pretty specific about what they want, you know? And I think it was, Kroger referred to it as an animated world and not so much like Mickey Mouse songs, but more like it's a busy world. It's, you know, let's bring some activity to the environment, you know, so that you've got to match up with it. I mean, you got to line up with it. So um, even when we did our deal with the animated movie company, uh, we had a very select list of songs that uh, the retailer had to approve. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's that trust factor, right? That has to be maintained. For sure. It's it's fascinating. And the the rights conversation is something that because we've we've done a bunch of stuff looking at that for for podcasts in the past and and, and looking oh, at all yeah, this right. And, and oh yeah, even music beds. I mean everything has has a control. Well and it and the cost is just can be so prohibitive uh for certain things. Definitely high on our list of most of our highest expenses in the company. I yeah, I, I'd imagine. So Switching gears to cookies, uh, from cookies in the aisles to, to cookies on our devices. Oh, what a segue. What a segue, yeah. Uh, so we, in fact, will be closer to a cookie-less world uh, than ever before. This obviously makes uh, a bunch of obstacles as it relates to programmatic and others. It creates a lot of opportunity for out-of-home and things that are more traditional kind of brand plays that you can't track. How are you looking at, at cookies? Yeah, I mean, the biggest differentiator for us is that, you know, we really have no reliance on a browser, right? I mean, we're a SaaS company in the sense that we provide, you know, web-based portals for people to manage their content, the retailers. But, you know, all, all of our tracking or insights into the audience all come through our partnership with, with Safecraft or uh, loyalty card programs provided by the retailer, right? So, you know, the retailer side is a very sacred, you know, highly protected. We don't get a lot of access. We get enough access, 
but on the Safecraft side, it's it's probably less cookie and more, you know, IDFA, you know, loss of IMEI on Android, opt-in uh, scenarios that we've seen a slight dip, not horrific yet, mostly California, but a slight dip in in the ability to to track location. But you know, I think that you know, cookieless is just making marketers who've been enjoying that for so long, they're going to have to get smarter. They're going to have to find other sources. They're going to have to trust the media uh, to provide their own insights for them, right? And so that's kind of what we're geared up for is if you're a marketer and you're losing some of the things that you're so accustomed to, or at least there's a lull until somebody figures out how to get something else again, you know, from from the consumer, that we can provide the insights about our media. I think that's what marketers are, are doing is they're kind of turning to people and saying, whether it's an aggregated, you know, set top box company of data or right, or us or whatever that media is, that they're being asked to provide that insight. And and I see more and more of that. Uh, we're benefiting from that, to be quite honest. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's kind of what I what I assumed is is things like this. I mean, I think what one of the things that's so cool about uh, Vibonomics and why we're so excited to have you on the show. I mean, is this is like one of those untapped places. Um, it's one of those untapped, you know, market opportunities. And I know obviously you are focused heavily on retail and, and figuring those things out, but I, but, you know, working with, um, some of the other folks that you've worked with, with airports and amusement parks and all those sort of things that might not have as quick of a path to, you know, cookie cutter, like, Oh, it's, it's easy to sell, you know, you can't sell, you know, ruffles as, as quickly or, or whatever it is that really all of those places where you have this audio experience could be made better. And I think that that's part of the thing that's so exciting, obviously. You know, we haven't really talked as much about um, kind of the, the the good vibes only that, you know, idea that you all have, but really this is about making it better for the actual person who's in the store. Like we all are sick of the, you know, like clean up on aisle three type stuff um, and, and things that are like, you know, songs that are not relevant or not, um, not geographically interesting or, you know, whatever it is, or just, you know, just straight up like, you know, just oldies or just top 100 or whatever it is. The fact that that can actually be curated as an experience for the customer is really cool, whether it's in a retail store or or at a formula one race. Yeah. The, The one thing you have to keep in mind, there's a, there's a good and bad in, in audio. The good is that you, it can be heard everywhere in that retail space or in that venue or the airport bathroom or, you know, we've been in airport bathrooms for a while now, but the good is that I could tell an advertiser, you know, let's do something together, you know, or let's reach that. The downside is the venue owner also feels like that could be intrusive, right? I mean, because you now have the power. We did a deal uh, in the state of Indiana because we can geofence by boundary by state. The governor came to us and asked us in the very beginning about us basically because it's real time, he could record a spot about COVID and we would drop it in our portal and it would play in every Kroger and every convenience store and everything in the state right now. Boom. In one second, I can play that spot everywhere I want to. That can be viewed as intrusive, right? By the venue owner. So it's that balancing act where I think we've held the line on brand is the most important thing to us. Your brand, right? Making your experience the best it can for the benefit of you and me. And then, you know, because that's working, we can sell advertising. So I, that's kind of where it gets hard. We definitely had a lot of advertisers in in uh, in airport bathrooms, but then the airport started saying, 
well, can we just play a lot more music? Because it's, <laughs> it's really what people like to hear. Yeah, totally. It's different. No, it, it is. It's, it's a great point. And, and that's, uh, that's one of those things that I think historically we just don't really have any data on, right? And we don't yeah. know how people react to certain ads. Like maybe people don't want to hear ads for, you know, X, Y, or Z when they're at an airport, but maybe they do want to hear ads for, you know, attractions in the city that they currently live in, for example, or the, the city yeah. that they're leaving in that airport or some, you know, or, or things yeah. that, that you can do in that city. So there's, I think that there's a lot more creativity and I think we're, we're scratching the surface on, on how to make that experience better and what the right ratio is and how, how often you're doing those sort of things. And I think the only way to do that is to test and learn, um, not oh, to kind of just sure. have someone at the top, just say like, well, no, we're not doing that. Cause I don't want to. It's like, you know, that person might not like country music and they're like, well, I don't want to hear country music at my airport. You're like, well, you know, you're not speaking for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. We have a creative studios, uh, division and it's, uh, you know, we write our own copy. We have our own voice talent. We, we do testing. We use ABX, um, audio benchmark index. If you're familiar with that company to do, you know, non-biased panel driven, uh, feedback and, you know, compare, usually compare copy of a brand that comes to us with other forms of creative that they've done and we test against them. We usually test in the 90% percentile, you know, and, and we try to stay away from stuff that just sounds bad. You know, we, we have told brands, some of the biggest brands in the world, that's just a radio spot. That's junk. I mean, that doesn't even, that's not going to work. People are going to like tune that out, you know, really have had the ability to talk from our experience of what people like or will tolerate. We're up to a point now where we do, know through our own experience and and some of the testing with abx that if you put that out there and it's bad like it's not going to go over well we we had a um we had a, a famous country musician shocker that has his own brand of wine now uh, that's uncommon right and had recorded his own spot in his own words with some really bad uh music bed <laughs> and so you know our team said please let us recut, recut that. And, and they wouldn't let us. So we just spliced it around and kind of took out some words and made it. So it was more of like a little snippets of words instead of a ramble. And it, it sounded better, but sometimes, you know, people think they know better, you know, and uh, he thought his voice was well known enough to, to stay with it. And, and it didn't work. <laughs> Well, we'll we'll see uh, when when Ian's uh, never-ending flavored gum ads come out, and I want to do all the all the reads. We're gonna have some. Uh, uh, it'll yeah. be me and Alec Baldwin doing the doing the voiceover. <laughs> Alec, yes, I'm not sure. There you we'll go. Have to hear what it sounds like. Any favorite campaigns that you've run over the past couple of years, um, where where people saw some some interesting results? I mean, we, we're constantly doing you know fun things. We uh, do a lot of adult beverage because we can do that. And most people have not been able to accomplish that with, with grocery stores. It's just the arrangement we've created. Um, so we do a lot of adult beverage. Um, we've done some really fun stuff, you know, FMCG, holiday plans. Uh, we've launched some products with, with folks and, and gotten them excited about how we can talk to the consumer in the store with a new style. Um, so they've all been fun. I, I would say that we did one that was last holiday season and I was, it was fun for us because the ones that are really exciting for us to work on are the marketers, the agencies that believe in what we're doing. They, they see that value from the very beginning and 
they right out of the gate say, I'm not going to just put a little money in it and hope it works, or it's really on you. You know, where you sit down and you develop the KPIs together, you do smart planning around, you know, where they want to target, give me your UPCs, you know, let's find the SKUs in the stores and really collaborate. I mean, you know, go iteratively through, okay, now we understand what the product, we know your personas, we know what your, your brand style is, here's some creative ideas. Those are so fun because when you get to the end, the result is, it's not, is it going to be positive? It's how positive, right? And in that particular one, we did in a holiday campaign, we ended up coming back with a 52% incremental lift for this company. They could not believe wow. the amount of lift that we got for them and the ROAS. And they ended up actually renewing for the whole year, the rest of this, this 2021. So, I mean, yeah, the renewal was a great reason for the outcome, but that's what gets us excited is somebody that really does, they've got that passion for audio. You know, it's part of their, their interest. It's not just some bolt on that they're not willing to put the time into. And, and yeah, well, you know, if somebody wants to come from a marketing angle and say, I've always just bought it at a buck a spot and, and you just, here's the audio, run it, right? Versus somebody that really wants to be thoughtful and, and put the time into it. Those are really fun projects. That's my opinion is, is um, and, and, and they get the same out of it, right? Then they're excited because, you know, they've really discovered, to your point, something that they didn't really know about, right? That they really hadn't thought about too much. And now it's like, wow, this is a place I need to shift some money from audio or streaming or radio or, or whatever. I need, to, I need to find some money for this because this is really making a difference. And uh, Mariah Carey gets like 5% credit for, for that return on <laughs> <laughs> she gets her she gets her royalty check don't you worry about mariah especially <laughs> around christmas it, it must play every hour i'm not sure uh all i want yeah. no, i don't think we're allowed to play it that frequently you probably get in trouble <laughs> there you go um <laughs> all right let's get into our lightning round these questions are fast and easy just like marketing with salesforce you can go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more about marketing on the world's number one crm that is salesforce here with us at Marketing Trends since the very first episode, hundreds of thousands of listens later. Uh, go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more. Lightning round questions. Paul, are you ready? I am ready, Ian. Number one, all about good vibes over there. Uh, what's your number one thing to do when you're not working? Play with my kids. Any games? Any Lacrosse. Uh, oh. Lacrosse. Play some lacrosse with the boys. What is one ad or marketing campaign that's out there in the wild that you're jealous of? Uh, I love just oddball marketing, like Lemu the Emu from the uh, insurance company. I just like obscure things that I always wish I could come up with some really oddball creative idea that didn't flop. If you weren't in marketing, if you weren't in business at all, what do you think you'd be doing? I'm passionate about education of youth. So I'd probably be involved really heavily with some kind of educational philanthropy. It's a, it's, it's a really big part of my life. Is there a TV show or podcast or book that you've been binging recently? Binging. I did recently go back and listen to all of the revisionist history episodes, hmm. which I really loved. I, re I listened to them again for some reason. It's probably been, and then as far as binge watching i guess i don't really binge watch that much but uh i would say listening to that podcast has been my my most recent if you could have one person on a podcast could be anyone who would it be 
boy, I guess it would probably be a business person that I could learn from. And I, I'm going to show my age. I was always fascinated by Jack Welch. And I just thought he'd be an f- interesting person to interview. Yeah, good one. We actually uh, got that one not too long ago from someone saying Jack Welch. So that's a, it's, I think that's, great a, that's a great one. Okay, what is your best piece of advice for a CMO trying to figure out out of home? Forget what you've always known before. Hmm, that's great. Last question. Is there one question that you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? I guess in the last year, I've always, I've been wanting to ask if I would go, like to go out to dinner. <laughs> oh, that's a good Touche. <laughs> awesome. Paul, thanks so much for joining. We really appreciate it. Uh, for our listeners, you can go check out vibonomics.com. Uh, any final thoughts? Anything to plug? No, I think this has been really fun, and I, I truly appreciate your uh, your conversation with me. Thank you, Ian. Yeah, me as well. Take care. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, The messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.